Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, our favorite chapter and our favorite verses that we've been in (laughs) for a while. I'll get my notes going here. So uh, let's see. We we left off last week in 1 John 2.16. And uh, we are discussing the lusts that motivate the world system and the children uh, and that operate in the children of disobedience. Do you know that's actually what Paul calls those that are unsaved? He, He refers to them as the children of disobedience. They're disobedient little children, <laughs> okay? But that's, he's not referring to Christians that are disobedient. He's referring to those that, were, uh, that are unsaved, okay? Um, and so they are actually children of the enemy, and therefore disobedience operates in them. And we were talking about the three different kinds of lusts that are mentioned here. And uh, a lot of times we think of lust in a particular way, but uh, this verse should give us more and more understanding about uh, these lusts. It says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And we talked about Esau. We talked a little bit about... um, There were several things that we discussed, and I'm not going to go back over those, but I mentioned at the end of the service concerning Jesus and the temptation. So let's go to Luke chapter 4. You can kind of keep your finger over in 1 John 2, um, or flip screens, I guess, whatever it is, whatever you got going on. And let's go to Luke chapter 4. As you're going through the uh, Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, if you get to Luke, Luke has more words. Okay, uh, so if you ever, if, if, if accounts of things ever overlap, like if the gospel writers wrote the, about the same things, Luke will usually have more detail than the rest um, because he was a physician. So that's why they can tend to be detailed, amen? All right, Luke chapter four, verse number three, and all the way f- through verse number 13, deals with these different lusts. So you could mark these down if you wanted to, if you write in your Bible. I write in my Bible. Um, my daughter's going to a school right now where the, 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 the head of it, uh, Andrew Womack, doesn't recommend that you write in your Bible uh, or highlight it or anything. He recommends you memorize it. And uh, I went to a Bible college where Brother Hagin said, if you, ha- if you have a Bible you can't write in, throw it out and get one you can. So... <laughs> Neither of them are absolutely right. I just go with what I was under, okay? And I like to write in my Bible. So, um, but anyway, you can, you can uh, break down these lusts here so that you can understand them. So Luke chapter 4, verse number 3, and this is the temptation of Christ. Um, and last week we talked about uh, how Esau gave in to the lust of the flesh. Remember he sold his birthright for stew, Okay? He, he sold his birthright for a pot of, of, of stew, um, and, uh, which really showed great disrespect. But we're going to see Jesus here doing it right. So it says this in verse 1, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, notice he was filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You ever felt like you got led into a wilderness? It's possible you did, Okay. 
um, to be to because the Lord will put he'll put, he'll fill you with the Spirit before you go. Okay, so if you get out there and you realize I'm empty, you need to return until you get filled, and then maybe you can go back. Okay, um, but being tempted for forty days by the devil. And in those days, he, had, he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Now, some people try to replicate Jesus' 40-day fasting. I never recommend that. Don't ever do it. I mean, you're going to do what you want, but don't do it. Okay, so, because they want to be like Jesus, you know. Um, but, but it can be dangerous. I've read testimony of people who went on 40-day fast and actually ruined their body for the rest of their life because they didn't treat their body the way that they should have. They weren't led into it, okay? All right, so let's see this in verse 3. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become what? Bread. So in verse 2 it says that he fasted 40 days and then he was hungry. So what did Satan tempt him with? Bread, right? So this, verses 3 and verse 4, have to deal with the lust of the flesh. So if you want to mark that down in your notes or in your Bible, you can. But it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So instead of trading his birthright for stew, he responded with the word of God. And what did he remain in? The will of God, right? He didn't yield to the temptation, the lust of the flesh. All right, let's look at verses uh, number 5 through 8. And this has to do with the lust of the eyes. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What is this? This is the lust of the eyes. This is the greedy craving that wants whatever it sees. Now, there's some, there's some interesting things here. If you slow down... Uh, if, like if you wanted to go back and look at these at a later time. But if you slow down and listen to what's being said here, first of all, you see this. He took him up on a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So there was some level of supernatural activity going on here. You realize that? Okay. And the devil said to him, all authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I give it to whomever I wish. Did Jesus tell him, "No, it's not yours; it's mine"? No. Why? Because whose was it? It was Adam's. And who did Adam give it to? And the devil has it until the lease runs out. How many have ever heard celebrities or musicians and things talk about, I sold my soul? It's this right here. A lot of times people don't realize this because they bump along in the natural being blinded by the worldly system. And the only way you can see through it is through here. You have to, in order to see very clearly in the spirit, you have to see it through here. 
You won't see, you know, we, cause, because we're uh, charismatic and all that stuff in Pentecostal and we believe in, in seeing in, in the spirit in the sense of understanding things. A lot of times we get ourselves into trouble by trying to see things when we should just see things. Quit trying to have a vision about what you need to do and just read the book and do it. You're wasting your time. People say, well, I haven't had this or that in a long time. You don't need to. Just do this. Let the Lord take care of the gifts of the Spirit as he wills. Not as you will. As he wills. Do this and obey him and walk in fellowship with him. Every stable Christian that I know and have talked to and fellowshiped with through the years that the Lord has let me talk to and fellowship with from really, I'm just going to say this, almost all denominations. I've ran into, uh, you know, Episcopal priests that get more done as far as uh, uh, in the spirit, so to speak, than a lot of Pentecostals do. And I'm talking about spirit-filled priests praying in other tongues. But everyone that has been successful in a long-haul uh, run with the Lord, a marathon run with the Lord with true effect of the kingdom that can be looked back over, whether it be a position of authority or just an influence with people around them, whether it be in the business world or the church world, whatever you want to say, the different areas of influence, all of them have one thing in common. They're very in love with the written word. And they've had experiences too, but I don't worship experiences. I don't worship experiences. I know uh, today I was having a conversation with a couple of other pastors and they were talking about some things that they had experienced in a meeting that they were in with, uh, talking about some gold dust had appeared. Siri, you need Jesus. All right. <laughs> Sometimes my watch goes off. It, it thinks I said, said its name. Um, and they were talking about things like that. You know, I saw that 20 years ago. I mean, miraculous things. People say, there was, there was these manifestations of healings. Yeah, that's awesome. Glory be to God. Every believer that is stout that I know doesn't go, you know, I was in services where an oil appeared on people's hands. Not we went around and dumped oil on their hands. It just started coming out of people's hands. Do you know what that is? It's just a road sign. The destination is the reality of Christ within. Those things are wonderful, but they don't last. They're meant to be markers. They're meant to shock and to amaze in a moment. But we're not to live, or we're not to run around. What if you walked around day to day with a shocked look on your face? You know, you know, like your, your eyebrows were duct taped to the back of your head, you know? And you, and you just went, oh, like that all the time. Like, like, you know what I mean? But people can do that in, in getting out of, um, these pastors weren't talking about this specific thing as far as getting out of balance. They actually were talking about living in balance. That's what we were discussing. But you know what I noticed through the years? Even in the midst of those type of things, the ministry or the, the Christians, the believers that are strong, build their day-to-day -day life on this. They don't chase the spectacular at the expense of the supernatural. 
Um, I, uh, I've been, uh, well, I heard testimony, of course, and know people personally that were in meetings where manna appeared on Bibles. Like manna. They could, you know, it was unexplainable. And, but you know what it, you know what that manna never did? It never caused, it was a, it was a moment that encouraged faith, but it wasn't something that built faith. It was something as a sign to say, hey, you're headed in the right direction, but it never developed a disciple that walked in love. Like you couldn't eat the bread and walk away going, oh, everybody is beautiful now. I love them all. You know what I mean? It never repaired, it never caused a child to be raised in, in the discipline of the Lord and become a person of character. But those services are needed and powerful in the sense that they can awaken somebody to the reality of the unseen. But those that truly walk in the spirit, they don't look for the spectacular because they see and walk in the supernatural daily. They enjoy it when it happens. You know what I mean by that? And so uh, this is something that if you think about it, and this is something that we're going to get into here in just a little bit, but the enemy can cause things to take place that are spectacular. So if we don't, uh, in fact, I'm convinced of this. Because of the culture in America right now and the continual shift toward um, not only, not only the, uh, I'll put it to you like this, the, the belief or the expectation of spectacular or supernatural things and the church continuing to increase in the area of what I would call spirit-filled believers beginning to dominate what uh, is known as Christianity, even in the denominational realm. Now, this may sound strange, but the Pentecostal movement, they've done studies. We read a, uh, our staff, I shared with our staff about a, a particular book that I had read a while back. The Pentecostal movement, the spirit-filled movement, in other words, the people that say, I am baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. That denomination has grown faster than any other denomination it's almost up to 50% of the Christian, what is called Christianity, which is phenomenal. But you know what else has come with that? If the devil can't stop it, he'll pollute it. And you have to watch it because you can actually um, get deceived in things if you're not grounded here. I'll put it to you like this. The Holy Spirit spoke it to me this way years ago. He said, the anchor in the spirit is the word of God. The anchor in the ocean of the spirit to your lifeboat is the written word of God. It is the written word of God, not the prophetic word of God. Not a prophecy from somebody. It's the written word of God. Does that make sense? So if, if we're going to be strong and, 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 and be building and growing and, and developing like we should, I'm telling you, this word, how did Jesus whoop the devil concerning these areas of worldliness? He spoke something. He said, it is written. That's enough. You don't even have to yell. 
You don't even have to break a sweat on the devil. Just speak the word. Amen? And that will keep you balanced. Because, guys, I'm going to just tell you, we're going to see some amazing stuff. But I don't live on amazing. I don't live on the spectacular. I live on this. I am getting better and better and better and better and more gooder at living on this than anything else. Yeah. And so then we'll have a church that does that. And this is overall. But then you can be a minister to those who, yeah, man, they have great zeal for the Lord. But you can tell, boy, we got we to gotta counterbalance some uh, trailer here going on. Have you ever seen a trailer pulled by a vehicle and it's not balanced right, the load on the trailer? Well, there's some Christians like that. They're just like, I don't know why this is going like this, you know. But they don't have their weight displaced correctly. <laughs> They're heavy on one side and they can't understand why two of their wheels are always in the ditch. Because you got to go back to this. And I know the flesh doesn't appreciate this like it should. But your flesh, you, how you feel is not the most important thing. It isn't. Truth is the most important thing. In fact, if you're listening to this word, it actually will offend your flesh. And that's when you get to go... You get to make this decision within yourself. Am I going to let this rock fall on me? Or am I going to fall on the rock? If you fall on the rock, you'll be broken. If the rock falls on you, you'll be crushed to powder. In other words, you want to fall. Well, it'll hurt for a little bit. <laughs> But you'll appreciate it in the long run. Every weight training person or, or, or athlete understands this. It hurts in the process. But at the end, you go, huh, right? We talked about this before. It's an incremental thing that we're developing and growing. So I know um, when I was younger, I was, uh, when I was 13, you would have thought I was 10. Because I was just little. I mean, Ian is so much taller and bigger than I was at that age. I, I mean, I don't think I broke a hundred pounds until maybe I was a freshman in high school. I was just always small, you know? I think I had bird bones, you know? It's hollow or something. Those days are long gone, you <clears throat> but, but I was always small and I always wanted to grow, you know? It's like, geez, I had guys in my sixth grade class that were, were they had a full beard. And I'm like running around going, hey guys, you know. <laughs> they thought I was still in the, a girl. And my voice hadn't changed, you know, none of that. And by seventh grade, I'm like, dear God, am I ever going to grow? And then eighth grade, I kind of surrendered myself to being forever, you know, tiny and just, just was never going to make it, you know. Thankfully, I was fast. I could get away if I needed to. I mean, the girls could beat me up in eighth grade. It was terrible. <laughs> but then when I got to be a freshman, 
I started to grow a little bit, but then between my freshman and sophomore year, I grew to six foot. I grew a ton. And I outgrew the, mo- the majority of my class, you know, because they all grew early. You always have a few that were, you know, way up there, way taller. And, uh, and, uh, but by then I had grown. And the whole time, you know, thank God it was worth the wait is my point. Don't get impatient in your spiritual development. Right? Uh, you know, we always want to be bigger than we are. <laughs> even, even, if you're, even if you're older in the sense of we always want to see that we're further along than we are. But we don't want to be impatient with that. We want to develop like we should. That's what gives us stability. I've been doing this now for 20, well, how long? 27 years. 27 years. And if you would have saw me at year three, you would have said there's no hope for him. That guy is not going to make it. He, he will not, you know, you know, I felt like that at that time, you know, and then you graduate Bible college or whatever, and you really think you're going to conquer the world. You know, nothing, you know, nothing. You have a bunch of head knowledge that has never been applied. And then the Lord put me in youth pastor, that youth pastor. And that was the grinder. That was boot camp. That was the test to see if I would be able to move on. And I'm not, I'm not joking. It was that test. I had ability, I had anointing to minister, all of that stuff, but it was the test to see. Everything was tested. I was in the wilderness, but thankfully I was full of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus, it took him 40 days, it took me six years, which is, you know, mathematically probably accurate. I mean, he was the son of God. So, you know, but what do we know here from these passages is verses five, seven, and eight. We know that this is the lust of the eyes. The enemy has the ability to, to give to people that will yield and worship him and worship this world system. He has the ability to hand over things to those people. Okay. And that's why people sell their souls out because they what? They're in love with something. They're lusting something that they shouldn't. Remember verse 15 says, uh, John, by 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 the unction of the Holy Ghost, says this. He says, don't love the world or the things in the world. Now, let me ask you a question here. Well, let me, let me finish this. The last one is the pride of life, and that's verse 9 through 13. And it says, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Now, what, is, what does the devil now do? In verse 10. Go ahead and go to verse 10. What, is it, what, what does he say? For it is... What did he quote? The devil quotes the Bible? Yes. And so he says this. He says, for it is written. In other words, he's saying, I'm not beating him by just tempting him. So I'm going to join the church. We're going to see this in the next few verses here in 1 John. I'm going to join the church and I'm going to try and beat him that way. You know, the devil goes to church more than Christians. He never misses a service. Why? You are his biggest threat if you understand who you are and you yield to it. You are. 
So if he can't beat you from the outside, he'll try and twist you from the inside. He says, uh, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And he goes on with his quotations of scripture. In their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Anybody know where that is? Psalms 91. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What is that? That's the pride of life. What is the pride of life? It's doing something aside from the leading of the Lord. Watch. Is the devil quoting scripture? Is scripture wrong? But the one who quoting it is. The one who is quoting it is. So what is the big issue here with the pride of life? It has to do not necessarily with what's being said, but the motivation behind what's being said or done. So uh, we talked about this before, not demonizing natural things, right? Not demonizing natural things. Is bread a sin? Would it have been a sin for Jesus to eat the bread in that moment? Yeah. Let me ask you something. Is, are the kingdoms of the world, are the authorities that are in the world, and the honor, or you could say the glory that's in those things, are those in and of themselves sinful no let me ask you something does the lord call believers to be in political positions yes. does that mean they sinned it depends on how they got there well i just got to succeed I come from a family that failed in everything and I'm just driven to succeed. Driven? I'm going to prove my dad wrong. I'm going to prove these haters. That's not why we do... Jesus didn't come to prove me wrong. That wasn't his goal. Because he was led by the Father, my wrongness showed up, right? But his motivation was redemption, right? His motivation was the betterment of or the salvation of humanity. Is Jesus going to have authority over everything that he was tempted with? In fact, he already does. It just hasn't fully manifested yet. But why will he be in the positions and the things that he was assigned to? Because he did it God's way. Does that make sense? So that's what we have to watch out for. This takes humility. When, when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days... What was being removed out of his life? What was being removed away from 
him and what was being filled in. People sometimes think, they think, well, you know, he was God. Of course he beat the devil. Well, if he wasn't tempted officially, then how could he redeem me officially? He was tempted. The scripture says he was, in, he was tempted in every point just as we are. So have you ever been tempted beyond what you're able? So why are you able? Because you're in him. In other words, you're able to overcome anything that comes against you because why? The one who's in you overcame everything that could come against you. Ooh, we, we better, we, we're going to have to sit on some of these things for a while. Because people are going, well, no, I just can't help it. I don't think that's a scripture. <laughs> instead of when something, when you, you miss the mark, you sin. Instead of saying, well, I just can't help it, Lord. I just can't. You should stand up in that and go, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I got in the flesh. I yielded to something I shouldn't. I can do all things through Christ who... You want your ability of the word of knowledge to go up? Do that. Any gift of the spirit, if you want it to heighten, control your senses, control your flesh. When you do that, you, you eradicate or you, you severely limit the enemy's ability to uh, actually deceive you. Does that make sense? You, you, when you, the more you control you, the less... I'm talking about the more you have a renewed mind and the more you control the desires of your flesh, the less the enemy has to work with concerning you. When you allow the resurrection within you, when you renew your mind to the reality of Christ within, and you, 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 you're now two-thirds heavy on the spirit side, and you control and lock up, you enslave the flesh to righteousness then the things of the world that are listed here, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they can't find an avenue through you. The enemy tempts the mind in conjunction with what? The nature of the flesh. If you have your mind renewed and your body under control, what does the devil have to work with? Nothing. He doesn't have anything to work with. Now, you need to say this. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I have the fruit of the Spirit inside of me. I can control me. Now, we should add this. By the grace of God, which is the ability of God. Go to Romans chapter 8. Well, I guess we're not getting beyond verse 16. <laughs> I just give up, Lord. It's in your hands. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Uh, who's back there? Is that Mirica? Can you go Romans 8, 13? 
Okay, let's read it. You ready? For if you live according to the flesh, you will. But if by the you, the deeds of you will. How do you do it? So say this with me. According to Romans 8, 13. I'm empowered to dominate my flesh. Right? Whose power? Well, I got to go to the priest and confess. No. The, the preacher is not your strength. Christ is your strength. The preacher is just an instructor that's especially anointed to deliver the message. But the, but the motivation of the preacher should be the empowerment of the body, not the keep the dumbing down of the body so that the body is dependent upon the insecure preacher, which is not me. Right? And you're not the body of Christ that desires to have everybody else do everything for you. You want to grow... You want to develop, you want to mature so that you can live free first and foremost, but then you become a beacon of freedom to those who are in bondage. Not only have you walked out your own discipleship and continue to develop to the point where you become a pillar of righteousness wherever you are, but then as you're standing there immovable in a world that's being shaken by everything, others look at you and go, well, it's stable there. Why am I shaking? I'm going over there. And then you have the ability within you to be able to begin to minister to someone else the very freedom that you walk in. Because revelation knowledge isn't just head knowledge, it's experience knowledge. You become so strong in the Lord, in other words, you, you develop in the strength in the Lord to where you have the ability not only to stand in faith on your own, but also grab two or three other people and hold them steady with you until they develop and become what? Pillars. Right? Who do you want spotting you when you're lifting? Some, yeah, somebody bigger than you. You know, if you're lifting with your spouse and your wife can't lift near as much as you, you don't want her spotting. Because if you go down, she's going to be down there with you. But if you become the stout one in the spirit that is unmoved by the world and the temptations in the world, what takes place? You actually have the ability to be a witness, but also be an anchor for others. See, the goal, and, and this, is, this has happened to me. I know we're not moving through these notes fast enough because my timer went off on my screen, and it's set for a half hour, which means I haven't touched that screen for 30 minutes. I used to be worried about running out of words. Now the flip side has happened. How are we going to get it all out? 
but I care more that you are getting strengthened than I do about my notes and whether I get through them or not. And you're being developed. See, the longer you walk with the Lord, and this is what I watch for, like in my board members and all the people that are around me that have walked with the Lord longer, I see this trait. The longer you walk with the Lord, the less you care about yourself. And the more you see the importance of what? Loving others. Because, and the reason why is simply this. When you develop in faith, the reason why you don't think about yourself is because you know, God has got me. And you know the, that statement that's been popularized, and it's not wrong, but it's, it gets twisted sometimes. But that statement that gets popularized that said, you know, I'm God's favorite, right? Really, we're all God's favorite. You know who God, you know where the, where the birthright went, right? Where the, the covenant went. It went to the oldest child. Who are you in? You're in the oldest child. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the firstborn from among the dead. And we're somewhere down the line inside of him. Which means the favorite, the first child anointing, mantle, covenant, inheritance, whatever you want to say, resided in him which transferred to you. Whoever gets the son gets the whole kingdom because the kingdom is the son's. You become strong. You stop trying to manipulate situations to your benefit because you don't need to because the Lord has already worked everything out to your benefit. Well, if I don't do this, I'm not... I, I used to think this way. And it's just worldly, right? It's part of the world system. Well, if I, don't, if I don't talk to this person and this person, try and work this situation out, make sure they see things my way and this person see things... Da, 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 you don't care anymore. If I'm my defense... Who isn't? God. The Lord said he's my defense. How many know when it looks bad and you're being maligned, it's hard to trust God anyway. But if I jump in and go, no, 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 Lord, let me steer this portion. You see that? Then I get in trouble. What's the goal here? The goal is to get past verse 16. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to even try and teach anything else. I put in my notes, left off here last week, and I haven't moved. <laughs> what is the goal? Spiritual maturity. Did you know? Did you know you want spiritual maturity more than you want to see miracles? <laughs> see, this is what, when I went to Raymond, I mean, this is the things that I was trained in and I still feed on. Brother Higgin would talk about this. He'd say, it's great to be in miracle services. He said, you know what's even better? Not to need one. Yeah. 
every function of the Holy Spirit should ultimately, in manifestation of supernatural things, should ultimately, if it's stewarded correctly, lead each individual to a deeper revelation of the reality of Christ within them. I'm going to say that again. Every manifestation of the Spirit of God, gift of the Spirit, supernatural things, uh, services where we have miracles, signs and wonders, all of these types of things, every one of them, if they're stewarded properly and followed by the Lord, if we're following the Lord and the Word and the Spirit of God properly, they should lead each individual to a greater reality of what? Christ within. If we, as you read through the epistles, as you look at what Paul, by revelation of the Spirit of God, wrote, and what John wrote, and what the others wrote, Peter and the other ones, you'll see this common thread through all of them. You need to understand that you're the temple of God, that it's the righteousness of, or the resurrection power of Christ that lives within you. If you will understand that, and I will understand that, and then walk in that, the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven upon the earth will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Not because, you know, one preacher has it all. We're never going to be out of preachers. Okay, so people that have that idea, like we're just going to get to this point where we don't need preachers anymore. Nah, we're not. Well, we will when Christ returns. But the manifest, the, the, the explosion of the manifestation of God. In other words, I believe this, that as the Spirit of God, and this plays out over time, the Spirit of God will be moving in such magnitude through the collective body of Christ that you won't have to drive anywhere to have a reviving. It will be everywhere. And the people won't be competing to take credit for it. And that's one of the key things that will set off that manifestation. It's what Mark had said, that the, the prophetic word that, gave, that was given to Mark by the Lord, what, one of the key things to making sure that we walk out the things of God for our lives is humility. Right? Where we understand that natural things are unimportant compared to spiritual things. It'll no longer be about the pleasures of this life. It'll be, we'll be able to enjoy natural things but no attachment to them because we're walking in intimacy with Jesus which is the best. Imagine the depth of love that Paul understood and walked in relationship with, with Christ to where he was willing to be beat with rods, to be shipwrecked, what, three or four, three or four times? Only one is stated about what took place. Imagine the depth of relationship in Paul where he shipwrecked for days on end, intercedes in the middle of the shipwreck, 
able to rescue and save through his intercession, his faith, every one of the crew members on that ship gets drifted up onto an island. They finally get on the island. The first thing Paul does is not kiss the sand and go, I can't believe I had to go through that. Why, God? Why? Why did you do this to me? I've loved you my whole life, and you did this to me. But he actually begins to work the moment he gets there. He doesn't show up and go, I'm the apostle. He goes, oh, we need to start a fire? Okay, I'll grab some wood. Then gets bit by a snake. Today, you know, with some believers today, including myself, people would be like, dear diary. <laughs> How was your day, Paul? I, he, he knew this. Count it all joy. He walks through all that by faith. And then what breaks loose on that island? Miracles, signs, and wonders that nobody had seen to that degree before. And that you want to talk about God moving? Study out the ship that they left with when they left. They were loaded to the hilt financially and every other way materially. There's a reason why they recorded what kind of ship they went off with the twin gods on the front. And Paul said, Paul didn't go, oh my, I can't sail on this ship. There's pagan gods on the front of it. I'm just saying, we do that today and it's silly sometimes. There's pagan gods, I can't be, there's probably demons on that ship. Paul just went, I'm on the ship, demons. You gotta go. Paul probably stepped onto it and went, we just plundered hell, ha ha, devil. Almost the whole island got saved. And the leader, one of the, father, the, one of the leader's fathers was healed of dysentery. People think, oh, that's terrible. He had diarrhea. <laughs> and if all you do is just read the surface, you won't know that he had bloody diarrhea. He was bleeding out from the inside. Apparently they had GMOs back then too. Seem funny. <laughs> Genetic modification. That's why this problem's here. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.